The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9.45 or 11.30 a.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida or online at westpines.org. So there's been a lot of buzz lately on this subject that the world is going to end in 2015. And when I say a lot of buzz, I'm not just talking about a couple blogs. Like even news outlets have picked up on the fact that the world is going to end, or some people believe the world is going to end in 2015. In fact, all of the buzz was that if you saw some of this, if you read some of this, that the world was going to end in September of 2015. Now, don't be alarmed. It's October, okay? Just want to put your mind at ease. It is now October. But this was actually gaining a lot of momentum. And for example, there were some that said, man, the, all the blood moons that have been happening lately. Anyone go out and see the blood moon last Sunday night? A couple of you, I, I forgot, went to sleep, wish I'd taken a picture of it. But um, there's all these blood moons that have been happening. There have been several in the last couple years. And people have been saying, man, what does this mean? I mean, because I mean, think of the name Blood moon. It's not like red moon or orange moon, okay? It's blood moon. That even sounds sinister, okay? It sounds like something is supposed to happen. And so people are like, man, what do all of these blood moons mean? What is the sign? What is that pointing to? Um, there's, that was picking up, spe- uh, picking up steam. And at the same time, um, it came out that there was an asteroid in late September that was going to, be, that was going to go remarkably close to planet Earth. I mean, they were like, it, it's going to shave past Earth unbelievably close. And what they mean by unbelievably close, they mean 300,000 miles from planet Earth, which is pretty close actually for asteroids. But people are saying, man, this could be the big one. What if NASA has it wrong and it's going to pummel into Earth? It could be the end. Okay, there's another whole theory around the asteroid. There was actually, in addition to these, there was another theory. This was a real conspiracy that Hollywood through movies and television shows, had accidentally and coincidentally revealed when the end of the world was. This is an actual conspiracy theory you can look online and see. Like, here was kind of how it went. Last year, October 2014, there was a Simpsons episode where Ned Flanders has a rapture countdown clock in his house. And it flashes the countdown until the rapture that Ned Flanders has. And if you take those numbers and that countdown and you pair it with this movie called Evan Almighty. Anyone see Evan Almighty? Evan Almighty stars uh, Steve Carell. He's like a modern day Noah, okay? And there was a particular date. It was like September 22nd at noon that Steve Carell had to be in the ark because that's when doomsday was coming. And it was remarkably the same numbers that was on Ed, Ned Flanders, excuse me, Ned Flanders' rapture countdown clock. And when you put them together, the conspiracy was somehow, I mean, Hollywood got it right. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have to do some major theological recalculation if God was planning to speak to humanity through the Simpsons, okay? <laughs> some things have really got to change in my thinking about God if that was his method of communication. Okay, so there's all, there was a lot of traction being built up about the end of the world in September, but not all of it 
was fringe kind of conspiracies. In fact, there were some very sincere, well-meaning Christian preachers that are looking at the current events politically, internationally, astronomically, looking at those events, looking at what the Bible says, and they're saying very sincerely, these are people who love Jesus, these are people who study the Bible, they're, they're not these fringe radicals, they're people who are looking and they're saying, man, there's some things that really line up. I mean, maybe the end times are upon us. Like, let me just give you one example. They pointed to a verse like this. You don't need to turn there. I just want to land on this for a second. Joel, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament, verse 31 of chapter 2, look what it says. It says, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And so there were some Christian preachers, well-meaning, sincere, they're not getting all wrapped up in these crazy conspiracies. They're just simply looking at tons of different verses and saying, okay, look at current events, um, look at astronomical events, look at these things happening. I mean, it seems like some of these things could be happening in our midst. And so I think that it's actually fair for us to say, all right, let's just address this. What does the Bible say? What should our thinking be when it comes to something like end times, the end of the world? how those things play out, because the Bible actually says a lot about it. Now, you may be on various points of the spectrum. You might be here and be like, oh boy, dude, I tell you, I couldn't care less about this stuff. I just don't believe in this kind of stuff. I don't get into that kind of stuff. I think all that's just kind of crazy talk. I'm just kind of doing my thing. I just, I don't care about that stuff. You may be on the other end of the spectrum where you say, look, I think it's very important and I listen to a lot of the people who talk about that. I study the scriptures about that. And man, I'm always dissecting what people are saying. You might be on one or, or the other end of the spectrum, but either place or anywhere in the middle, this is actually a very important subject because the Bible speaks to it a lot. In fact, Jesus spoke to it a lot. And we're going to look at a passage this morning where Jesus talks directly to the question of when we're going to hear from Jesus himself talk about this issue and we're going to let that stand on its own and we're going to see what does that mean for us. So open with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at verse 36. Matthew 24 starting in verse 36. You're going to see as we read this verse, we're entering right in the middle of a conversation. So let's see what it says. Jesus and his disciples are having this conversation. And in the middle of it, this is what Jesus says. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Let me read it again. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So Jesus says, okay, concerning that day, that moment, that hour, nobody knows. Okay, what day and hour is he talking about? We were, if you were to read backwards into the conversation, he was saying, referring to this moment, he says it like this, when the Son of Man returns. 
Okay, what is he talking about? Let's rewind and let's kind of zoom out. What's this whole story? Okay, let's just look at what's this whole message here. The message of the Bible starts like this. God looks down at humanity and he sees that we are all unbelievably just helpless. Every one of us have things like selfishness and pride and greed. We have sin in our lives. We're tearing ourselves apart, tearing each other apart. We have brokenness, broken relationships. He looks down at at us as humanity and he sees the brokenness. That's not how he intended it. He originally made us beautiful and glorious and perfect, but sin entered and now we have this brokenness. So God looks at humanity and says, okay, I cannot leave you like that. I love you so much, I've got to do something. And he has a plan. He is going to enter into humanity He's going to enter into humanity and he is going to save humanity. But he, the whole Old Testament is preparing for that. And what he does, he's like, okay, I'm going to set aside one people group, the nation of Israel, and they are going to demonstrate to humanity what my intention was for how to live and how to act. And so he sets up Israel like, okay, they know, they've got clear message from God. This is how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to thrive. And we see all throughout the Old Testament, we see, man, that's not even enough. Even God's people, there's still sin rampant in their lives. There's still brokenness and they're still, they're still falling away from God over and over and over. And as you get towards the end of the Old Testament, it starts getting clearer and clearer that there is a Messiah that is going to come. It gets more specific, more specific. He's going to be born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin. He is going to be God in the flesh. It gets more and more specific, God with us. And then we finally get, Old Testament closes and the New Testament opens. And we have four biographies back to back to back to back about Jesus. Jesus the Messiah, it's very clear. He's not only the the Christ, the promised one, the Messiah, but it's very clear. He's actually God in the form of a human. It's God in the flesh. He is fully God, but somehow he's also fully man. And how that works, we'll never completely understand. But it is God entering into, into creation to save creation. He lives that perfect life that no one else could have lived. And he offers himself on the cross. He dies on the cross. What's happening there? It is he is being the perfect sacrifice so that God can count his death as payment for all sins. And if anyone looks to Jesus and says, yes, let Jesus' death count for me, they will be perfectly forgiven. So he dies. And then on the third day, he rises again from the dead. He defeats death. Now, this moment of the resurrection is what took his followers from run. I mean, they were terrified when he died. He's like, man, this doesn't make sense. We thought he was the Messiah. Now he's dead. They are cowering in the darkness. But then they see him alive, and that's what takes them from absolutely cowering to unbelievable courage. They go from hiding in the shadows to proclaiming that they saw him alive to the point of being tortured and dying, going all over the world, saying, look, I know, but we saw him alive. And he gathers his disciples together. He's appearing to them alive. He gathers his disciples together up on this mountain and he gives them final words. He says, now go into the entire world and tell them that the Messiah has come. Tell them what I told, what I told you, that I died for sins and that there's forgiveness from God and that they can be saved. He says, go into all the world. And then it says this, they watch him ascend to heaven. I mean, we're not totally sure what this looks like, but it's basically he physically, they're watching him go back up into heaven. Now that's crazy. Like, man, I don't know about that. I mean, rising from the dead is one thing. Like floating up into the sky or whatever, that is just too far. Okay, the Bible's not saying this happens every day. The Bible is saying it happened once when God was in the form of a man. 
goes up into heaven, and just like we would be, his disciples are stunned. And it says, angels appear. And it said, why are you still standing here? He told you to go get busy. <laughs> What's the deal? And then, he, then the angels say this. In the same way he just left, he will come again. And then all through the rest of the New Testament, this, gen, this whole first generation of Christians, they're saying he's coming. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He's going to return. And in that moment, it's called the day of the Lord. Jesus will return. It will be the end of time as we know it. Jesus will return. Now in this moment, Jesus is having this discussion with his disciples. And Jesus says things like, man, in those final days, here's what you'll see. There'll be earthquakes. There will be, there will be a pestilence like plagues and stuff and famines. There will be nations will rise against nations. He actually, at one point in this conversation, he looks at the temple. He says, the temple will be torn down. He says, these are the signs. And the disciples are just trying to take all this in. And finally, one of them says, okay, time out. When is this going to happen? And this is what Jesus says. No one knows. No human alive knows. Nobody knows. No human will ever know. And then he says, more than that, no angels know. It's not like everyone in heaven's like, all right, it's coming. We see the big countdown. <laughs> angels are not like, oh, if they only knew, it's, it's next week. All right, here it comes. They don't know. Angels don't know. And then he says this. He says, the sun doesn't even know. He says, I don't even know. Now, man, how that works, I thought he was, I mean, here's Jesus. One minute he's walking on water. One minute the wind and the waves obey him. He knows what people, he knows information about people miraculously. He's healing them. Okay, he's rising from the dead. He is God. And then the next minute we see when he gets whipped, he bleeds. When he's tired, he recharges in the mountains. We see him weep. We see him sweat. He's very human and he's very God. And, and how that comes together, man, we, how could we understand? You say, man, this is one of the things about the Bible. Man, I struggle to understand, but let me just push back on you on that. We're talking about the nature of God. Isn't it predictable that all the things about the nature of God are not going to fit in our brains? It's the infinite God and we're finite brains. It's actually logical that we're going to come across things that don't fit in our brains. So how does that, what does that mean? Does it, like in the flesh he doesn't know when, but in the spirit he does, or as a man he doesn't know. But, you know, he says the Father and I are one, so like as God he knows, but as man, who, I don't know. Here's the point. Nobody knows. No one knows when that moment is going to happen. Jesus says, I don't even know. Only the Father. That dramatically he says that. Okay, so what's our reaction? Well, I mean, Jesus says no one knows. So I mean, I just forget all this end time stuff. When's the world going to end? The rapture or whatever happens. People disappearing, left behind. I mean, all that stuff. Ah, let's just not worry about it because Jesus says nobody knows. Should that be our reaction? Here's what Jesus says next. Verse 37. For as were the days of Noah so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, there were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, 
so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Here's the picture he's saying. He's saying, what will it be like? Um, He says, go back to the flood. He says, I want you to imagine what it was like. Man, everyone's just going about their business, partying, doing their life, living it up. They're just doing their life. They had their goals, their everyday stuff that they were doing. He says, and then Noah entered the ark, silly Noah and his big boat. And then in an instant, the flood was here. And they were unaware. He brings it down to earth a little more. He says, okay, this is what the Son of Man will be like. He says, two men will be walking up a hill, and he'll look over, and one of them will be gone. He says, two women will be working sitting in a business meeting, one woman talking to the other woman. In a split second, the other one will be gone. What do you mean? Like like the rapture, like their clothes are just there, they're they're gone? I don't know. He's saying this, he's saying, man, it, it, don't get caught unaware. It could be anything. It could be, you could have your, your workout buddy and you, you go run at the gym on the treadmill. You do it every single morning and then one day you're running and he's no longer there. He's saying you could be just going about your business. You could be sitting in a meeting and all of a sudden several people, they're just gone. They've been taken up to heaven or it's just, it's happening. It's, it's upon us. He says, people will be going about their lives. They'll be doing their normal thing. They'll be shopping at the grocery. They'll be going through the bank line. People will be mowing their lawn. People will be out uh, on vacation. People will be doing their normal everyday lives. And then the moment will be here. Wow, that, that's unsettling, Jesus. What are you... What do you want us to do about that? I mean, if that doesn't unsettle you a little, man, hear the force with what he's saying. This is going to happen any moment. What do you want us to do with that? Look what he says. Let's wrap up what Jesus said here. Verse 42, look what he says. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this. That if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He gives us another metaphor, and it's one of the most commonly quoted phrases of Jesus quoted throughout the rest of the New Testament. I mean, this latched on to early Christianity and it should latch on to our lives. We should be replaying this metaphor over and over in our, in our minds. He says, like a thief in the night, when you don't expect, he says, be ready, stay awake because you don't know when I'm coming. Okay, uh, you remember that movie, the original Home Alone? Remember that movie? And there's a moment when... Um, the ever-resourceful Kevin McAllister overhears Marv and Harry talking about when they're going to burglarize his house. Do you remember this moment? They're like sitting in their van. Okay, they're not the smartest crooks ever, okay? And they're talking. All right, we'll come back later tonight. And they say what time they're coming back. And Kevin hears. So he knows the time the thieves are coming. And you remember he's ready for them? Remember, he's got, if you can remember the scene, Marv and Harry pull up in their van. He's got every single light on in the entire house. 
He's got music blaring. Okay, there's apparently, he makes it like there's a giant party going on. Remember he has like the uh, Michael Jordan cutout on the train? It's going around and around. And then he's got these mannequins, and that house had more mannequins than any normal house has. Okay, I don't know why they have so many mannequins. But anyway, he's got mannequins in every window, and they're all like moving like this, okay? And then he's dancing, and they're like, there's a party. What are we going to do? He was ready. He knew the exact time the thieves were coming, and he was ready for them. Here's what Jesus is saying. You don't know the time. You don't know when. It's not like that. It's not like Kevin McAllister. It's not like you know, okay, well, they're probably coming here, so let's get ready for that exact time. He says it's not like that. You don't know the thief is coming, but you do know, you don't know when the thief is coming, but you do know that the thief is coming. So you have to constantly be ready. Here's what Jesus is saying. Okay, he's saying because you can't get ready, you know, he's saying stay awake. Now here's the thing, how do we handle these predictions of when Jesus is going to return? I mean, they're saying, well, it could happen now, or it's going to happen this year, or it's going to happen sometime in this decade, or it's going to happen this date, or it's any time now. How do we handle these predictions? There's two major problems with predictions like this. Here's the first one. The first problem with predictions is that Jesus said nobody knows. So anytime you hear a prediction, Christian, be skeptical. Because it goes against what Jesus said. In fact, what I would encourage you to do is have a historical perspective of what Christians have thought about the end times all throughout history. Because there have been moments all throughout history where generations of Christians have been like, oh man, it is happening now. And in fact, a lot of those events that were happening in those generations looked a lot more like what the scripture was talking about than they do now. You imagine um, in the 60 to 70s AD, this is that first generation. Man, that generation was convinced it was in their lifetime. I think they would be shocked if they knew 2,000 years later we're still talking about it. They knew it was their generation. And think about what they saw. They saw a Jewish revolt rise up against Rome, and they actually saw what Jesus predicted. They saw the temple being torn down. They saw that. They're like, oh, Jesus said this was going to happen. This is it. Fast forward um, hundreds of years. At 1000 AD, some historians say there, was a, there were riots because there's talk in the Bible about a millennium of, of Christ's reign and then at the end of a millennium, there's supposed to be things that, that take place. And so there's some historians believe that right around that time, there were predictions that January 1st, 1000 AD was the end of whatever that physical, uh, actual millennium would be. And they, some say there were riots in the streets. You can't blame them. Fast forward a couple hundred years. In 1666, because of the number 666, Christians at that time period were very concerned, especially in the UK and in, in England at that time period. And you can't blame them. The bubonic plague had wiped out 100,000 people in London in 1665 and 1666. And they're saying these are those, the pestilence that was talked about in the end times. It's here. It's wiping out large percentages of our population. And to make matters worse, do you know what happened in the fall of 1666 in London? The fire of London. They're watching. Christians are like, it is happening now. Okay, fast forward. There's a world war. 
Nations rising against nations. And there was a war that was going to end all wars. And then there was another one a generation later. And Christians were saying, man, what does this all mean? We not only have, we have these dictators, these anti-Christian personalities that are persecuting the Jewish people worldwide. What does this mean? And Christians were looking at it, and there's phrases that Mussolini would say, and if you took those phrases and you took the Latin numerals, he would say this phrase over and over, and the Latin numerals equaled 666. And people are saying, Mussolini, that's this antichrist figure. Look what's happening internationally. The whole world is turned upside down by war. This is it. And then the nation of Israel is reestablished, and people are like, oh, it's now, it is time, now it's happening. Then the 70s and 80s, there were uh, Christian authors that came out, the late great planet Earth, and was saying, man, look at, look at all the political things that are happening. This is exactly what it, it's all politically, it's all lining up in the Bible. It is going to happen. And they were saying, we will not get out of the 1980s before Jesus returns. And then Y2K? 2012, Mayan calendar. 2015, September, all the things colliding. Even the Simpsons are saying. All right, in fact, there is a whole group right now, well-meaning people, that firmly believe the end of the world is October 7th, 2015. Wednesday. They're saying, it is it, it's here, it's Wednesday. Have a historical perspective. I'm not saying some of these correlations, I'm not saying they're wrong, I'm not saying they're right, I'm just saying be skeptical, hold them loosely, and know that all Christians, every generation, have been like, it is happening now, and that's the way we're supposed to be. Waiting for the return of the Lord. So you're saying, man, okay, all this historical perspective, you say that we're supposed to be, I mean, just not give any credence to the Lord's return? I mean, just, just say, hey, this happens all the time. It's cyclical. I mean, and within the next five years, there'll be another thing that's got the media hyped up and they'll do a movie about it. You know, just not get hyped up. No, no, no. Actually, that leads to, to problem number two with these, predict, with these predictions. Number one is be skeptical because Jesus said no one knows. But the second problem, and this is the bigger problem, if you believe the world's going to end on Wednesday, the problem is you're not ready on Tuesday. You're not ready on Monday. You're not ready this afternoon. See, here's the problem with predictions. It's not too urgent. The problem is it's not urgent enough. If you think the thief is coming at 1 a.m., you're not ready at midnight. You're not ready at 10 p.m. So the problem is you're not urgent enough. Do you realize the reality of what Jesus is saying is we might not get through this service before he returns. Here's what Jesus is saying, man, it is, it is eminent, it is happening now. He says, don't delay. He's like, man, you've got to know, it is any moment, nobody knows, be ready. He says, stay awake. But see, there's something actually that's uh, actually helpful about these predictions. There's a couple problems, but here's something that's helpful. It's when you think about the world ending, you hear these theories, what's your emotional reaction? Because that's pretty revealing. If your emotional reaction is apathy, oh, come on, not this again. Shows about our readiness. Maybe too apathetic. Maybe saying, hey, it could happen a lot sooner than that. It could happen this afternoon. Maybe if your reaction is fearful, well, I am not ready for that. I am not ready to stand before God. Man, that's revealing. Maybe if your reaction is regret, man, I've got things that I would have liked to have done, people I would have liked to talk about, relationships I like to have reconciled, man, that's revealing. It's helpful. 
What if your reaction's disappointment? Man, if it's Wednesday that Jesus returns or Tuesday that Jesus returns, I gotta be honest, I don't know if I like that. I don't know, man. I, there's things I wanted to do, accomplish, become. Christian, does that reveal that I'm too tied to this planet and I'm underestimating the incredible joy and glory of standing before my creator, the one who is the satisfaction of all my longings? Man, does that reveal my heart? So here's the challenge. It's be prepared. What do we, how do we prepare? Jesus, what are you telling us? How should I be prepared? Well, um, I want you to think about a thief coming in the night because here's typically how we prepare for a thief coming in the night. I think about your house, what your actual practice is. Before you go to bed, you lock all the doors, make sure all the doors are locked. Maybe you set an alarm if you do that. You know, maybe you have certain security lights that are on timers and you go to sleep. And really what you're saying is, I'm pretty sure there's not a thief tonight. But let me just do some things to just make sure, just in case. I want to be prepared in the slim chance that it is tonight, but I'm going to go about my business and I'm going to go to bed. That's not what Jesus said, is it? He didn't say, hey, it's just like a thief in the night. Lock your doors just in case, but go about the rest of your life. Just go to bed. That's not what he said, is it? He said, stay awake. He said, expect the thief tonight. But just in case, because you don't know, be prepared in case he doesn't. Christian, this is how our lives are supposed to be situated. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, man, if you're going about your life, hey, I'm just going to live my life. I'm pretty sure it's not coming in my lifetime, but I'm ready in case he does, but I've got my goals. I have the way I handle myself and my finances and my, my time and handle my relationships, and I've got things I want to accomplish. I'm living my life, but I'm ready. My soul's ready just in case he comes. Jesus says, no, that's backwards. He says, live your life like he's coming today. This moment, this minute. He says, live your life like he's coming today, but since you don't know, be prepared in case he doesn't. So for example, just in case Jesus doesn't come in my lifetime, yeah, I'm, I'm saving, I want to put some, I want to be prepared for the future, I, I want my kids to not have to take care of me in my old age. Okay, that's good, just in case he doesn't come. But the rest of my life is, okay, but if he's coming this afternoon, I want to be ready. What does it look like? Because here's the thing, when I think about getting ready for when Jesus comes, man, it instantly, if he was to come this afternoon, if we were to know that for sure, boy, doesn't that instantly align all of my priorities like in a millisecond? The things that were so important, I was so worried about, they're not that important anymore. The things that are important for eternity are suddenly important. When I realize I might be tucking my kids in bed for the last time before they stand before their creator. And Jesus saying, that's just not make-believe. That's how you've got to live. When I realize there's loved ones that I want to share the gospel with, I want them to know who Jesus is. And I've got to be ready in the event that he's coming like this afternoon, what would I do differently to be constantly living, staying awake, not, going, not locking the doors and going to sleep, staying awake? Man, what, are my, what goals are now important? What are the important things in my life? What's suddenly, man, well, these are the things I'm really working hard to. Are they really that important in my life anymore? Man, instantly, if I live like that, just in an instant, that just tells me, 
man, what is important in my life? And those are the things I've got to whittle down to. I say, man, I've got to realign my life and think what is important in this moment. What are the things that are absolutely essential in this moment? Church, you know, if you're a part of West Pines, you know, you know, we don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take the scripture and we take our faith and we take Jesus and the things he said so seriously. In fact, the rest of this fall, what we're going to be talking about, we're doing two series, this Revolt series and the series after that, and the point that we're going to be going through the rest of this fall is how can I align my life with eternity in mind? You know, when we say things like encourage you, like last couple weeks, we've been encouraging people to rise up and serve in our kids' ministry and our student ministry. When, when we ask, hey, come and serve at, at your church, we're not just saying, hey, we could use a couple more bodies here helping out. You know what we're actually saying? No, we, it's because we take this seriously. We believe, man, this could be the last time someone has the opportunity to come to church. Join the force Find a team to serve on to make this place as best as possible for them to hear the gospel, which may be for the last time. It's aligning our lives so that we are saying, man, I am mobilized my life. God, you have placed me here because he could come at any point, at any moment, and I've got to stay there knowing he's going to come like a thief in the night. Now you may say, man, this whole thing is very, very unsettling. I'm just not sure, man. It gets me nervous. It gets me worried. But Christian, can I encourage you? Do you know what that day is going to be like? Because he's going to return, and you know, he's not returning the mild, meek, carpenter-turned-rabbi. It's painted, the picture is painted that he appears in the sky with trumpets blaring. The armies of heaven emptying out and lined up behind him. He is reared up on a horse. And he is the conquering hero reclaiming this world. He is returning. You realize, do you know why this is such an important moment for you, Christian? Because he is once and for all finally finishing what he started at the cross. He is putting away sin. He is taking down evil. He is righting all injustice. He is making everything right. All of the suffering and the hurt and the wounds are finally put away. This is the final moment when he is returning to claim what is his. Do you realize what this moment means? You will stand before your creator. You will stand before your Lord. Do you know in the Bible, we have a picture of what it's going to look like. Actually, God gave John a vision of that moment. Can I read this to you? Then I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has written... He is, has a name written that no one knows but himself and he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on a white horse and from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty, and on his robe, on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Do you know how the whole Bible ends? The final line, 
Come, Lord Jesus. Let me read it to you. This is Revelation 22. He who testifies to these things says, these are the words of Jesus, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. And then our plea, Come, Lord Jesus. Christian, do you know your heritage? It's generation after generation after generation after generation that says, it is any moment and I am ready. I have a life that's resituated, ready for you to return Jesus any second. I have my face fixed on you, Jesus. I'm not letting the distractions of the world hold me down. I know what my mission is. You've told me. You left me and said, now go tell the whole world. And your angel said, what are you waiting for? Go tell the whole world because he's coming. And we say, yes, Jesus, we say, we are followers of you. We know any second, and so we're getting busy because maybe, just maybe, we will be the generation that we will see him returning in the clouds, the warrior that he is reclaiming earth for his own. Christian, are you ready? Are you going to hear this is a grace of Jesus to you this morning saying, I've told you today, Christian, you are without an excuse. I am coming. I've told you today in October 2015, I am coming. Will you be ready? You do not know when I'm coming. Christian, are you ready? What needs to change in your life to get ready? What needs to be reprioritized? What things are not so important anymore? What people do you need to talk to? What relationships do you need to make right? What urgency do you need to regain? And some of you are here this morning and, you need, and you're saying, man, the first thing I need to get right is I need my soul to be ready to stand before God. Man, don't take another second. You're not guaranteed another heartbeat. Take this moment right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Turn your life to Jesus. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? You're there and you're saying, I need to take this moment now. I don't want to delay. I'm going to call out to Jesus. Jesus, please save me. Then I want you to pray this right there. Don't waste another second. Don't walk out of here not knowing. Pray this prayer between you and God this morning. Say this, God, save me. Jesus, I surrender my life. I'm ready for you to return. I know that you died on the cross and that saves me. That is my forgiveness. That is my permanent salvation. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. And I'm now going to fix my eyes on you. God, help me to live out your mission to tell the world about who you are. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call us at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.